Hey everybody, and welcome back to Out on a Tangent with the Merrimack Public Library. Today's episode, we are diving into fandoms with a discussion <laughs> about fan fiction. Yeah. How excited are you, Kathy? I'm a 12 out of 8 on a scale of <laughs> I think we both have very different experiences with fan fiction. It's sort of like the same idea, but in different fonts. <laughs> yeah, different styles. And I think I've talked like in the Twilight episode specifically that mm-hmm. a lot of my experience when I say fandom, I really mean like the fan fiction side of fandom. Yeah. So this is like my entire fangirl identity. <laughs> okay. <fiction>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I'm going to start. I wanted to know where fan fiction came from because to my knowledge, Michelle actually told me that she thought that fan fiction started with Star Trek. Would you know? Yeah, that's what I had heard too. Yeah, that there was like people would write episodes. And Michelle also told me that Star Trek had like an open script policy so people could Hmm. send in scripts for the writers to consider. So I guess like that, that's like what most people believe to be the start of fan fiction. But actually, I learned that fan fiction be- was believed to begun began or begun, I don't know. I'm not a grammar expert. <laughs> In 1726. Okay. Following the release of Gulliver's Travels. Okay. Classic novel. Yeah. Jonathan so, Swift. Yeah. Readers were inspired to change the story. And the more shocking, the better. So people would write different adaptations of the story just for fun. That feels very right for Jonathan Swift. He was crazy. And there was one person named Alexander Pope who wrote like a novel in verse about Gulliver's fictionized wife, Mary. Okay. And many scholars believe that the 18th century created a trend of readers rather feeling like fantasy book characters were entirely fiction that they felt that fictitious characters could be real and were relatable and that's what sparked the idea of fan fiction i guess gulliver was a relatable character i guess okay well and that's so much of modern like character development exactly story arcs yeah relies on the characters being relatable i love that so it's it also i just thought i on tumblr remember someone who was writing a paper or a thesis for a professor on the importance of fandom in culture and fan fiction Mm -hmm. and had cited in this paper to her professor that Dante's divine comedy is fan fiction of the the Bible (laughs) and that numerous other works are essentially fan works of the Bible. Okay. So the idea of taking a, a story that's commonly known and putting your own twist on it, I guess. Fan fiction <laughs> of the Bible. I love it because that, that is, is what it, it is. Uh, yeah. You know? yeah. It's not wrong. You look at it at face value, that's what it is. It's that's not wrong. Really um, that just that completely threw me off guard. I never thought about that before. Sorry, I just thought it was I, a funny I also wrote a paper in college about fandom. A little bit about fan fiction, but it was about I took a media studies course and I wrote a paper about convergence and talked about like fandoms like 
reigniting the flame of various things. But anyway, that's not what this episode is about. <laughs> so I think let's start with our like personal experience with fan fiction. Okay. So for me, it I have said many a time on this podcast, the fandoms that I have been involved with in the past, very niche. Really not even a fandom if you come and think about it. <laughs> I was involved in a fandom on Tumblr, which I think is not exist non-existent anymore. It might be. If you're out there, people that listen to this podcast, let me know. It is a subsection of the old Hollywood fandom, which I think is still alive and well on Tumblr. And it's just about this one person named Carol Burnett. And if you're like, who's that? She's an old lady. Um, <laughs> she who... Played Miss Hannigan in one of the versions of Annie from 1982, which is not the most popular one, I think. Um, you don't need to know who she is to understand. She's great. You should look her up on YouTube. You can look it up on YouTube if you want. You should watch Went with the Wind. Oh, that's a good one. It's, a it's my favorite. Is it? Okay, yeah. well. <laughs> anyway, so that my experience with fan fiction does not come from that fandom. It comes from my own just fruition. Because when I was, like, 11 years old, I loved The Simpsons. I still love The Simpsons. And I decided in my 11-year-old brain, hey, I'm going to write a few episodes of The Simpsons and send them to the creator so he can put them on the show. <laughs> so I wrote episodes not formatted correctly because I was 11 of the show, along with a couple of drawings that I made to the creator of The Simpsons, Matt Groening. And he ghosted me. How dare he? Oh, rude. <laughs> and uh, there was a contest that they had for people to send in couch gags ideas. So, like, couch gag is a thing at the end of the theme song yeah. where they, like, do something weird to sit on the couch, basically. And I sent in one. I did not win, obviously. Um, <laughs> but later on, I noticed like later on in the show that an idea very similar to the one that I sent in was used. And I wonder if like in the terms of use for that contest, cause nobody reads those things. If you click it, it's like, even if your idea is not chosen, it may be used for a future episode, <laughs> but I don't know. Cause again, I was like 12 when I sent that in. So it's just like, whatever. But then... When I'm like, I think I was 12, 13, my favorite sitcom at the time was this TV Land original sitcom called Hot in Cleveland, which is for women in their 40s and 50s, but me at 13 thought this is peak comedy. Naturally. <laughs> and so it starred Betty White, and I love Betty White too, so that was why I watched it. But that... I wrote several episodes of and sent to Betty White. She ghosted me as well. It's okay. Betty White, rest in peace. <laughs> and that's like, that's the experience I had with fan fiction is like rewriting, like not rewriting things, but like creating new canon for the show. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what fan fiction is. It's not what all fan fiction is, but I would put it under the umbrella of fan fiction. Okay. So, like, you have the big umbrella of creative writing. Mm -hmm. And then fan fiction is, like, a subset of that. And then I do think that, like, script writing and, like, canon divergence and alternate universe stuff, which is sort of 
how I would classify writing new scripts. Like, that's part of, that's a huge part of fan fiction. Yeah. It's not the entire thing, but. Because I don't have experience with, like, writing, like, full-on, like, chaptered series of fan fiction. Yeah, that's what I do. Okay. So I started reading fan fiction circa, like, 2006-ish. Okay. I was in, like, eighth grade, ninth grade, and the places to do it were Quizilla and portkey.net, which was specifically for Harry Potter, and there were only, like, four ships allowed on the site. So it was, like, Harry Hermione, Draco Ginny, James Lilly, and... One other, not like, Draco Harry. No, I we read were, that it was Draco not allowed. Harry. Like okay. slash fic was not allowed. Like it was these four specific pairings Interesting. only. And so then I was like, okay, but like, what about these other pairings? Like, what about Draco and Hermione? Because I identified with Hermione at the time. I identify more with Ginny now because I'm a little spicier. But, <laughs> but like I identified with Hermione. So I was like, okay, like what about Draco Hermione? So then I moved to fanfiction.net. I published there when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And now I'm publishing on Archive of Our Own. Okay. And I do, I would say, 90% of my reading on Archive of Our Own, 10, maybe upwards to 15, depending on the fandom, I'll read on fanfiction.net. But okay. there's a lot of cross-posting. So I've been reading and writing fan fiction for what is that like 17 years yeah over a decade yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like 16 17 years i mean uh that's if, terrifying if we think about what i do i've been doing that for over a decade too because yeah. i started when i was 11 and i'm 22 <laughs> yep but um yeah so so did you not were you not like a wattpad girl no no Nope, I never really attempted Wattpad. I never really, I would occasionally read fan fiction on Tumblr, but really Tumblr, I was there for like the the memes mm-hmm. and like That's, the, yeah, we the had, witty repartee. We, there was not any of that in my fandom. We were basically like a digital scrapbook fandom. Like, there was fangirly moments, right? Because when you're in a fandom, you're yeah. in a fangirl. Um, and we were all we were all women, all women from ages, like, I was one of the younger ones, but one of my friends was, like, in her mid-40s. Shout out to Libby. What's up, girl? <laughs> she does not <laughs> listen to this podcast. Um, anyway, so we would just, like, we were sort of, like, a fan site. You know how like yeah. people have celebrities have fan yeah. clubs? It was sort of like that, but more what you would expect from Tumblr. Yeah. If do do you guys even know about Tumblr? Is it that, still exists? I don't know if it's like hip with the team. It survived anymore. the rule change, but I don't think it's like And I'll say now when I need a non fan fiction fandom fix, I go to TikTok. Yeah. Because fandom TikTok is A plus. Mm-hmm. And now it's more visual, too, which is nice for yeah. if you need that. But, like, I stopped using Tumblr in, like, 2018. Maybe 2019. Yeah, that's around. I think I stopped around that time, too. My blog does no longer does no longer exist? Doesn't exist anymore. 
Um, anyway, that was a nice tangent for us to go on. Um, Kathy has prepared a quiz for me, which yeah. I'm, like, sort of nervous about, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> so, I dug through some of my, like, the main page, the list of most popular tags, some of my bookmarked fics, scrolled through some random fandoms, trying to find... Fan fiction shorthand. Okay. That means something to people who are immersed in fan fiction, mm-hmm. but probably does not mean anything to people who are not. Okay. And one of them, we will start with the one that was on a Watcher episode. If you watch Watcher Weekly, Ryan and Shane and Ricky had this on their most recent episode, um, and that is Y slash N. Yes or no? No. Okay. (laughs) Does Y and N, do they stand for things? Yes. Okay, so it's not yes and no. (laughs) I've seen that a lot, to be honest, and I always thought it was yes or no. So Y slash N is your name? Oh, it's used in like self insert or reader insert fan fiction. Yes, yes. Okay. Where you you come to it and you fill in mentally your name. Mm, okay. Um, or you can like pull it into a different document and do find replace and put your actual name in it as you're reading it. Oh, all right. Um, but it's to the point where. I read enough fan fiction that if I see it, I immediately go, Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's funny, because I literally, this whole time, I've seen it on so many things, and I'm like, why does it say yes or no? (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't make sense in the context. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting my mental age out there, which is 97. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's... Do some first. I know I said we were going to... Yesterday I said we were going to start with ones that are actual words. Yeah. We'll go back to it. Now. Okay. <laughs> so we'll do ones that are actual words to warm you up. Okay. So the tag, fix it. It's um something that happened in the canon of something that the writer did not like, so they're changing it for something that they want it to be. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I love <laughs> fix it fix. Um, a ship. Oh, that's so easy. Shipping is like when you want two people to get together. And I don't know if it's like always romantically. Like, could it be like a friend thing? Or is it always like a romantic pairing? It has a strong romantic connotation. Okay. And in the tags, when you are denoting whether a pairing is romantic or friendship, mm-hmm. you would denote that in the punctuation you use. Okay. So give me two characters. Um, I The first thing that came to my mind was Elmo and Zoe from Sesame Street. Sure. So <laughs> Elmo ampersand, like the and symbol. Yeah. Elmo and Zoe would be a friendship okay. tag. Elmo slash Zoe would be like the romantic pair. Okay. I'm sorry, viewers, <laughs> viewers, listeners, if you're thinking about that now. Just I keep seeing that that 
audio of Elmo yelling at Zoe because of the rock on TikTok <laughs> and it's just in my brain. <laughs> um, okay. Wump. W-U-M-P? W-H-U-M-P. Okay, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is if you guys are fans of The Office, uh, when Ryan creates woof.com. <laughs> But that's probably not it. But the concept of woof.com is that you get a notification from every single one of your social media apps at the same time. And it's like a bark that comes on all of your devices at the same time. But that's probably not what that is. Is it an acronym? No. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Wump is when a character is hurt. Oh, okay. Emotionally or physically. Okay. So, like, if I am writing a fan fiction about Tony Stark, where we are really digging into the emotional turmoil that he's feeling at the beginning of Endgame, mm-hmm. you know, like, he's been betrayed by the team, he's afraid of losing his family, and we're really digging into that emotional hurt, I might tag a fic wump. Okay. <laughs> I could also tag it hurt comfort if resolution comes. Okay. Or hurt no comfort if resolution does not come. Okay. But wump is like when you're really digging into the pain. Yeah, that sounds like like an automatopoeia in like yeah. comic books, you know? Yeah, you're you're getting punched right in the feels. Yeah. <laughs> is that the right term for that? Automatopoeia? Yeah. Okay. I haven't that word has not come to my brain since like sixth grade. Um, okay. A couple more. Fluff. Well, okay, I think, like, the societal connotation of fluff is, like, just, like, for example, if I'm watching, like, American Idol or something, and it's the auditions and the contestants just, like, talking about their entire life story, I would fast forward through that because that is considered fluff and not relevant to the, like, progression of the story. So that's my guess. It's, like, something that... Is fun to write and fun to read, but doesn't necessarily have any impact on anything in the canon or whatever. I'll give you like a half a point. Okay. (laughs) So it is going to be like light and airy. Mm -hmm. You're not going to like dig in to a bunch of angst Mm -hmm. usually. Like if something is, you can mix fluff and angst, but fluff is like. It's going to be a little more surface level. Yeah. It's just like meet cutes or yeah. like that type of stuff. So it's not, you're still having an impact potentially on canon, like if you're getting these characters together. Yeah. But it's not going to like necessarily focus on the heavy stuff. Yeah. Cause I was, when you were just talking about that, I was like, Bucky and Steve go to the grocery store <laughs> and yeah. then they make yeah, chocolate just, chip cookies. It's just like cute. And <laughs> yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, crack. Um, like a crack pick. Okay, well, I feel like that, like, the, I feel like it's something impactful just based on that word. So, like, you completely just, like, flip the script on something. So, like, it completely, like, cracks open the canon of whatever you're writing about and is something completely different. That's such a thoughtful answer. Is that not what it is? No. Is it okay? <laughs> it's just like when stuff is crazy, bizarre. Okay, that was my. It's other like guess. a weird trip. Um, so a crack fic might be like 
Steve and Bucky go to the grocery store to get ingredients for chocolate chips, and then there's like Rick from Walking Dead. Okay, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> and then like Elmo shows up. Out yeah, of it's just like, what's going on? How did you think of this? And usually, not always, but a lot of fix that I see is like crack fic. I wrote this instead of sleeping. Author has regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, when I was like, okay, I was like, crack. I was like, okay, is this, like, the connotation of, like, when you use the phrase, like, on crack, it's, like, crazy town. Yeah, or it's, like, is crazy Or is it, town. like, literal, like, there's a crack in the story? You're giving it so much more thought than it I deserves. know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, so the next ones are all acronyms. Okay. So I'm going to give you letters. Okay. That stand for things. Okay. A-U. Oh. I've, okay, does, this, does it mean authentic? I've seen this before, but I don't remember. So an A-U means alternate, alternate universe. Alternate universe. Oh, man. I should have known. <laughs> I was like, I know what this is. It's often used in conjunction with other tags, but mm-hmm. not always. If you Well, no, I was going to say, it's also the like country code for Australia, but that's A-U-S. I think. And I think... Like, on trademarks and stuff, like, people do use it to mean authentic, but fan fiction tags specifically. Yeah. Alternate universe. Okay. A-H. Alternate headcanon. No. Dang it. <laughs> Alternate is not the A in Okay. This one. I don't know, then. You might see it in Twilight or Supernatural or Buffy. I don't know. Okay, it's all human. Oh, okay. So so if you are taking everyone, like, the Cullens are human. Yeah, all right. And you're building a universe. I wonder if somebody's ever done that with, like, My Little Pony. That probably exists. Everything exists. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, H-E-A. Okay. Is human the H? No. Okay. (laughs) I, I have no idea. An H-E-A is a happily ever after. Oh, that's cute. You might also see H-E as happy ending. Okay. So people might say, might tag you to warn you like, no H-E-A. And you're like, not going to click on it if you're Kathy. Because I yeah. can't stay in my feels. Okay. <laughs> okay. O-O-C. O-O-C. I... I think one of the words is over. No. Only on... I don't know what the C could be. (laughs) Out of character. Oh. See, I'm overthinking it. That's my toxic trait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just really coming in with the TikTok references today. (laughs) This podcast is going to be so dated. (laughs) Um, A-B-O. Okay. I, I, I'm literally drawing a blank. Okay. Sometimes it's A-B-O dynamics. I don't know if that helps you any. Okay. 
Um, like, what kind of... Is that going to give it away if I ask, like, what kind of fan fiction this would be tagged with? Any. Any? It could be in any fandom. Because it is okay. not something that exists in our actual world. Oh, okay. It is associated with wolves, but the science has been debunked. Okay. What? <laughs> A-B-O? <laughs> yes. Okay. Literally, I don't know. I was going to say, like, a breakfast burrito. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> when you said fluff, I thought of marshmallow fluff. And you've been hungry ever since. Yeah. <laughs> ABO is alpha, beta, omega dynamics. Oh, oh, okay. So it's the idea that you're creating a universe where people have, like, their primary gender, which would be, like, masculine or feminine, mm -hmm. and then a secondary gender, alpha, beta, or omega. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, ZA. I want to say Z stands for, like, zoological or something. This is one of my favorite tags. Okay, then it's probably not that. And we've done a that. podcast episode on it, or talked about it on the podcast. We have? Yes. What words start with Z? <laughs> I'm talking to myself. I'm not asking. <laughs> like, it's not zing. That doesn't make any sense. No. Is Why it... would I have a deep emotional care about zing? I don't know. <laughs> Is it like zen? Like chilled no. out? No. Okay. Is it zany? No. Okay. Sam, what am I always prepared for? Oh, zombie apocalypse. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't, I was like, what in the world starts with Z? Yeah, zombie apocalypse, which again, you'll see in like any fandom. I want to read a My Little Pony zombie apocalypse fanfiction. That's gotta exist. It definitely exists. I imagine it gets pretty grisly. Well, I'm cool with that. Um, okay, two more, and then I have some like, favorite tags okay. that I wanted to share that I think will make you laugh. Okay. Um, RPF. Okay. I know. I feel like RP is role play. Am I right? Not in this context. Rats. It can be. Yeah. It can be used like started as an RP, started as a role play. RPF is a type of fandom. Oh. F is for fandom. I wish you could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Rule-breaking fandom? P, as oh. in Peter. Rats. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because now I'm just like, it's role-playing fandom, but you literally just said it's not role-playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, I don't know. Real person fandom. Oh, okay. So if you were writing a story about you meeting Carol Burnett, okay. that would be RPF fanfic. Okay, definitely read a lot of those then. <laughs> Just not with the tag. Yeah. Or it probably did have the tag, but I was like, I don't know what that means, and I just kept scrolling. Well, and it also, I've only seen it on AO3 mm -hmm. because... 
you are pressured to assign a fandom. Yeah, and also, like, for those of you who aren't familiar with Tumblr, usually on Tumblr, a lot of people will just, like, stream of consciousness in the tags. Like, even if it has nothing to do with what you've posted, like, people will be like, have you guys ever had pineapple on pizza? I don't really like it. I guess that's not for me to say, though. <laughs> like, in the post, is just, like, a picture of a puppy, you know? Like, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. At least that's my experience. I don't know if it's still... Yeah, some of the best snark is hidden in the tags. It really is. In AO3 as well. Was it, like... Were you in fandoms on Tumblr? Or were, okay. Yeah. Did you ever have, like, people just go in your, like, anonymous question box and just, like, completely troll you? Because that was a theme in our fandom. No, because I, on that social media, like every other social media I've ever been on, kept a very low profile and was only there to lurk. Okay. So I never had people, like, bu bugging me because I would, like, repost things once a month. Okay. I really was only there to screen grab stuff and print it out and make wallpaper out of it. Okay. I was, then, like, semi-famous on Tumblr. I know. <laughs> I use that as my icebreaker on dating apps. <laughs> you put it on your resume when you applied for this job. <laughs> I did because I had no previous experience. Now I have not, I don't have that on my resume any longer. Because I don't want to tell anybody else. <laughs> well, I guess if future employers are listening to this podcast right now, I was in a fandom. Shock. Someone <laughs> in the library was in a fandom? <laughs> Whoever heard of such a thing? Okay, one more. OTP. One true pairing. I was waiting for that one. I'm like, I know ship and OTP. I just added it as we were talking. Okay. <laughs> Because that was, like, even if you were not involved in fan fiction, I feel like 2013, 2014, that was, like, shipping and OTP. Like, even, like, your mom knew what that meant, you know? Like, and then it turned into, like, a Facebook thing, and people were like, ugh, and then they stopped talking <laughs> about it. Okay, so I already mentioned one of my favorite tags, which is I wrote this instead of sleeping. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Um... Some other honorable mentions are like, blank deserves nice thing. Blank is a nice thing. <laughs> so it would be like, Tony Stark deserves nice things. Bucky Barnes is a nice thing. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, and then one of the ones that makes me laugh every time is like, no beta, we die like men. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Um, some people will like make it very specific to their fandoms. Like, mm -hmm. no beta, we die like Tony Stark. Okay. <laughs> Uh, which would make me very sad because I like to live in denial. But, yeah, I really enjoy some of those tags. That is really, really funny. And you know what? I was having a conversation with my brother about this the other day because I started reading, up in our teen collection, we have a series called Dorothy Must Die, which is, like, not a retelling of The Wizard of Oz. It's more like continuing... The Wizard of Oz, like, Dorothy has returned to Oz, and her and Glinda have basically become, like, the Wicked Witches, essentially. Like, they have... 
I don't know if this is Oz canon, Kathy, so you're going to have to tell me. Apparently, the magic that exists in Oz exists, like, mainly in the ground and in the things that are in Oz. So Dorothy has Glinda, like, enslave the munchkins, basically. And they mine for magic. And then all of the magic is sent to the Emerald City, where Dorothy is. So, like, this wreck... (laughs) Kathy's very sad. I'm so sad. So, um... (laughs) And, like, the... The monkeys are in this story, and, like, they have, most of them have, like, cut off their wings, so they're no longer enslaved by Dorothy, and they're the wingless ones, and they're, like, a whole, like, other thing that they hide up in the north, and there's the Revolutionary Order of the Wicked, which is run by Mombi, Gert, and Glamora, who, Glamora is Glinda's twin sister. Sure. I don't know if that's a thing in, like, Ozcanon or not. Um, so Mombi's a thing because I watched Return to Oz and yep. I was like, I know that one. Um, anyway, so Dorothy's just like completely terrible. And this other girl from Kansas, and this is like set in modern day whenever this book was published. Her name's Amy. She get she lives in a trailer park with her mom and a tornado comes out of the blue and she lives in Kansas too. So I guess it's not out of the blue, but it comes and takes a trailer away and she ends up in Oz. And her mission is to murder Dorothy because the only way Oz can get back to normal is if more Dorothy dies. So that's why the book's called Dorothy must die. Okay. But it's this huge like series of things. And I was talking to my brother about like how I love it. Cause I loved it. Um, and he was like, is that fan fiction? And I was like, I guess so. And he was like, how do they not run into copyright issues then? Like, how is how is that like... Because we have a bunch of retellings of things up in our teen collection. Yeah. But I don't think, like, copyright issues is probably not the biggest thing. Because I'm sure, like, it's not that difficult. Well, if, you're, if you've got the money, that is. Yeah, copyright isn't forever. So it's... Like, things like you're retelling, like, Cinderella or yeah, like Snow White or, like, those really, really old don't tales. have an owner. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure The Wizard of Oz does. Yeah, I don't know how long the estate of L. Frank Baum was able to maintain copyright. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because it's give or take a hundred years. And yeah, that is true. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Because these books, the first book was written in... 1904, yeah. I think. So, yeah, so, like, the end of, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, obviously, I'm not a copyright specialist. And no. It's been, I took, like, one class in it six years ago. Okay. Um, so I don't remember the particulars of how long it lasts and under which conditions. But I would think there's an element of how old is it, yeah. how many times has it been adapted, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. are you relying on the original story or are you relying on like the cultural knowledge of it how much are you changing the world etc etc yeah because i i am someone that does not know like the the head canon of the world of oz i don't know so like i am reading this from and i think most of this is based on the movie and not necessarily the books because the wizard is in it, and it's very similar to the plot of the movie, as like yeah. when they go back and like tell the history of Oz. And I'm pretty sure 
Quote me on this if I'm wrong, listeners. I think Glamora is mentioned in the Muppets Wizard of Oz. Like, I think the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wicked Witch of the East, Glamora is the Wicked Witch of the East. But no, because she would have been dead. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of witches in this yeah. universe. And like the thing is, Amy, who's the main character of this retelling, or I guess continuation, becomes a witch. So in this, hmm. in Oz, apparently, if you are human, you can harness the power of magic because magic exists everywhere in Oz. And if you learn how to harness it, you can become a witch. Okay. So that's cool. It's like a 490-page book, and I read it in, like, three days. And for me, that's, like, a feat. <laughs> so if you are, like, I wouldn't even consider myself, like, interested in The Wizard of Oz. I liked watching the movie when I was younger. And, like I mentioned, I did, like, a musical version of it in high school with, like, instrumental music, not on stage. Because yeah. goodness knows that would be not a nightmare for me. But anyway... <laughs> It it was it's just so interesting, but I was wondering, do you classify that as fan fiction? Like, if it's a published novel, yeah. is it still fan fiction? I absolutely would because technically Twilight's fan fiction. Or no, Fifty Shades Fifty of Shades of Grey is Twilight fan fiction. fan fiction. Yeah, and lots of fan fiction gets published. I mean, there's like entire series of after the happily ever after stuff for like yeah. Jane Austen's novels. Mm-hmm. There's like things where Elizabeth Bennett, Elizabeth Darcy ends up being like a detective and solving all these (laughs) mysteries. And yeah, I mean, people use other people's characters and worlds all the time. Yeah. And it, yeah, it has to do with how much of it you're changing Mm -hmm. or like you're in this existing world, but the plot is totally new. Right. You know, how much of it, is different, and then that affects whether you are allowed to make money off of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I would consider it, like, an alternate universe spinoff. Okay. Um, in the same way that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is a really bad alternate universe spinoff of Harry Potter. Written by the author of the series. <laughs> yeah, but it ruined everything and created a bunch of plot holes that were not necessary and that she had managed to avoid the first time. Okay, well. It's very dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, In like, my opinion, if you like it, you're allowed to like it. Yeah. I understand that it does have compelling characters. Also, but. you're allowed to hate Dorothy Must Die because I don't... I think people don't like it. <laughs> I went on Goodreads, like, to see because whenever I'm, like, interested in something, I go and look at the reviews to see if I'm, like, in the majority or not. And it's very, like, it's very much a mixed bag as far as reviews go. Some people are like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Some people are like, this makes no sense. And I feel like if you're very, like, if you read all of the Oz books, it probably wouldn't make much sense. But for me, I'm like, ooh. Because <laughs> I, I, I like it because, like, I know the characters already, except for, obviously, the main character and a couple of, like, ones that they yeah. added in. But like I know what it is. I I can I can picture the world in my head because I know some of it based on like what we've seen in film or whatever. And 
I like it. So that's my glowing review of fan fiction, I guess. <laughs> you consider that fan fiction. But if you're interested, we have tons of retellings of fairy tales and other stories up in our team collection. Like, don't we have, like, King Arthur and the Round Table of Knights, like, in space or something? Yeah, we have <laughs> numerous retellings of King Arthur with King Arthur as the main character, with Guinevere as the main character, with Merlin as the main character, with Merlin and Arthur together, with Merlin and Arthur not together, gender bent, queer, not queer, like, every, everything. Yeah. Merlin is one of those series that's, like... Mm-hmm. Sorry. King Arthur is one of those <laughs> characters that's really easy to adapt. I associate King Arthur with BBC's Merlin TV series. Okay. And I'm actually currently reading fan fiction in that fandom. And was until like an hour ago when I left for work. So <laughs> I, be I beg your pardon, listeners, because I'm getting mentally confused. Here's about. another one. <laughs> Do you consider Nomeo and Juliet to be fan fiction? It would be a fan film. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's all fan art. Because what's I, like, is that is that under the umbrella of fan fiction? Like fan art and all of like other creative aspects of creating different... Fan things? art, I think, is the umbrella. Okay. And then you could have like fan films, fan art, fan fiction. All just the, like the different branches of the arts. Mm -hmm. But I think fan art would be the umbrella term because it's all the arts. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting conversation. I feel like we could go on for, like, many different episodes about this. Yeah, there's a lot to dig in because fan fiction takes on, like, such a life of its own. Yeah. Let us know if you want more episodes on fan fiction or, like, different subsets of fan fiction. Do you have an, a subsection of fan fiction that you want us to dive into? Do you have a fandom you want us to dive into? And if it's one that Kathy nor I know anything about, we can research it. Or maybe we yeah. have someone on staff who's a member of the fandom. We'll give you an outside perspective on this fandom we know nothing about. Oh, I don't know. really confused. <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in that, let us know. I don't know if you would want that. It sounds maybe. like it would be funny. It would be funny. But you just couldn't take us too seriously. Yeah. You should never take us too seriously. This anyway. podcast is not to be taken seriously <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Okay, so that was our discussion on fan fiction. We learned that I don't really know anything, and <laughs> Kathy is an expert, which we already knew. So we didn't, I guess we didn't really learn anything. Not an expert, but very dedicated. Compared to me, you are an expert. I spend probably six hours a day engaging in fan fiction in one okay. way or another. So it is my full time hobby. Okay. I, I, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, like, and it was a thing for me for a minute. But my, I have not experienced the whole, like, writing basically, like, novellas of fan fiction. Yeah. I think it's totally cool, though. <laughs> I think it's cool. I just, it, my brain doesn't work like that, I think. But anyway, let, yeah, let us know. We want to hear from you. We've yet to hear from any of you, and we'd like to hear. <laughs> so, like, Tell us what the weirdest ships are that you've found. Yeah, do you want us to do an episode all about like shipping, and we can just like ship random inanimate objects or something? 
Yeah, we could dig into like the top ships on Tumblr yeah. or on AO3 or yeah. TikTok or whatever and maybe we'll dissect continue, what we know of them. We'll continue our fan fiction series whether you guys like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> you're not letting here us know. Are, here are two ships that I found in grad school. Okay. I was on the hunt for the worst fan fiction besides My Immortal. And um, two weird pairings that we will not be talking about in future episodes. Okay. One is a Harry Potter ship. It is the giant squid and Hogwarts Castle <laughs> as a personified entity that just has people living inside of it. So like Casita from Encanto? Yes. <laughs> and the squid? Yes. Yep. It was like a, and they were roommates situation. Oh my they like God, live they live on the roommates. grounds together. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> um, and the, the number one weirdest ship I have ever found, I can't wait for what you guys come up with, is like one of the characters from Sons of Anarchy. I don't watch that show. Okay. I don't either. I don't, I don't know. Like, I know that like one of the actors that was on talking with Chris Hardwick circa like, 2017, and then he was King Arthur in another movie that was not terrible. Um, like, he's in that show. The end, that's my knowledge. <laughs> One of the characters from Sons of Anarchy with the Cookie Monster. What? <laughs> I'm sorry for that scream. They just sit together and eat cookies and, like, talk about their lives. <laughs> it was surprisingly wholesome in some ways. <laughs> it was really weird. That's the weirdest so thing love, I've ever heard. I love the creativity. Okay. I don't understand it, but I'm here for it. Oh my God. That's like the true example of a crack pick. That is hilarious. I have done my job, everybody. Sam is like crying laughing. Sons of Anarchy and Sesame Street. Oh my God. Okay, well, with that, that's the end of this week's episode. We'll see you next time. I'll do the outro so Sam can recover. Uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, my gosh. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>